to the Hoop Throw Show. I'm Lance, and I'm woke with jokes. I'm Johnny, founder of the Venture Out, the best way to start your morning. And I'm Bo, and I'm enjoying a nice hot cup of tea. Ah, yes. <laughs> what kind of tea, Bo? Do you have a tea of choice? you a green tea? A, uh... Uh, right now, there has to be some decaf. So uh, I usually go for more the real, like the teas that are supposed to relax you, like chamomile, lavender. Uh, I don't know if lemongrass, I can't remember if this is lemongrass, but this has like um, kind of a fruit uh, base to it. So I, I, I buy all these teas and they have labels on them for like, you know, uh, soothing, sleepy, white cap, all this stuff. Like, and I, I don't think I feel any difference depending on what the tea says. I'm like, is that, is that really a thing or is that just, you know, loose marketing or at best psychosomatic uh, placebo effect? I mean, I'm okay with the placebo effect, to be completely honest. If it's placebo and I'm still relaxed, I mean, by hook or by crook, I'm, I'm there, you know? Ah, placebo. Um, yeah, my yeah. Second, second favorite bow. <laughs> You know, and I, I was I was listening to something about the placebo effect, and you know, I think they were talking about almost a philosophy of something like in modern medicine, you're comparing your the medis, the medical efficacy of modern drugs to the placebo effect. But one of the things that they kind of talk about in medicine, the way that we interpret it now, is that you know the medicine that they're comparing to the placebo effect if it's better than the placebo effect then it's actually doing something but they kind of you know get rid of the idea that the placebo effect is actually doing something and so in effect placebos can be a form of medicine uh yeah but i still want my medicine to be so so it's interesting so they're comparing medicine to the placebo medicine as opposed to nothing um so well i mean they're saying the placebo is nothing that's like the thing so like if you were to take medicine and you were to take sugar pills and your results are not as good, or you can't statistically tell the difference between sugar pills and the, the actual medicine, then um, then they say the medicine's not effective. Well, see, but the thing. other interpretation of it is if you have if you have a placebo effect and then people actually, you know, get better, they feel better, like is that not a real thing too, you know? What if it was like way better and then like, you, you know, you're watching uh, TV one day and it's like, try placebo for if you have uh, arthritis, diarrhea, then try placebo. Proven in studies to be more effective than this thing we were trying. Yeah. Well, actually, the thing that I listened to, it was talking about, it was surrounded by, like the story was based on arthritis and it was knee surgeries. You know, are knee surgeries a placebo effect or are they real? <laughs> so, yeah. So like they, they could open your knee and then they then you have arthritis build up around your, your knee. And then what they would do is they would go and they would like chew out the loose, you know, I guess stuff that kind of gets there over time. And then they try to do a comparison between the actual surgery and like just showing a video of the surgery and like faking the patient out. And then there was no statistical difference between the two. It sounds wild. It's like a fake surgery. I'm just going to tattoo on a scar and the patient <laughs> won't know the difference. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, he still, like, the, the story was, you know, it was kind of some rigmarole, but what he did was he basically acted like he was going to do real surgery. And what he would do is he would have a video monitor and he would, he would show it to the patient and then he would be working behind like, the curtain, right? It's and funny. so what he would do is he would actually induce anesthesia and local anesthesia to the area the patient would not know what's going on. You know, he would kind of poke and prod at it. Um, so I guess you'd feel the pressure and stuff like that. But he would show the video of the surgery on the local monitor. Like, okay, I'm cutting in your knee. Okay, I'm chopping in. You to make it real official, they still charge you $10,000. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I don't know. I think, I guess it's the, the case. But, you know, it's, it's double blind. You know, as soon as you have a patient walk in, you don't you don't know if you're actually doing real surgery or you're doing placebo. Crazy, crazy. Well, you know what? Medical craziness doesn't surprise me. And uh, <laughs> we still haven't introduced the show yet, so uh, hey. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's been fine. That's what they're here for, Bo. You're, you're the fan favorite. Oh. <laughs> okay, uh, we are the uh, I'm, I'm waiting. I got that not with that one fan. <laughs> Three quarters of the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we are the Junto. And the Junto is a club Benjamin Franklin founded way back when America was great. 
The purpose of the junto was to debate questions of morals, politics, and natural philosophy. Our show is not quite that stuffy, but here and there, we stumble upon something profound. Profound. All right, so uh, Johnny, let us know about what we got going on. I don't know. What do we got going on? Oh, I'm just kidding. We've got, of course, patreon.com slash junto show. So it's a site you can go to, donate a couple of bucks or two, wherever your heart's content, and that will help feed us. Yeah, that'll, that'll feed us. Keep us flush with uh, with masks and and, uh, and d- delivered food in the, in the quarantine. And if you become a Patreon of our show, you get access to premium content, like the episode that we put together today for uh, our premium listeners, where we talk about the reaction, or lack thereof, of the Trump administration to the reports of the bounties that are being put on American soldiers at the behest of Vladimir Putin. You're, you always have me going there, too. I was like, oh, they get something for donating to Patreon? I forgot what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, well, the listeners love it. It's, uh, it's always so great, so worth it. <laughs> so, so join up, and, and you get to access to that content. We put together a premium episode ahead of the uh, the shows for all of our premium listeners. All right, so we're going to... Uh, you guys have anything else you want to talk about? I know we talked about uh, fake surgeries for quite some time. <laughs> Today is Wednesday, July 1st. And uh, <laughs> our first segment, Hot Take News. Good evening. I'm Ron Burgundy, and this is what's happening in your world tonight. All right. Oh, so so a uh, big shout out to the K-pop stands and also to people that wear masks. I just want to get that out the way. Uh, those are the true heroes of the hour that we have in the United States right now. Don't forget TikTok. Uh, TikTok. Oh, and the, and the TikTok people. TikTok, K-top, TikTok, K-pop <laughs> people. Also, um, I wanted so on the concept of, or the the topic of masks. Um, are you guys, what's your guys' mask game looking like? Still, uh, still sporting it. Anytime I go outside, you got one of those uh, those medical masks, or you wearing a cloth mask? Uh, okay. Cloth, triple layer, antibacterial, whatever, treated, good for three washes. So they say. Uh, what's that? I got it from a Buck Mason. It's okay. It's like twenty bucks for five of these cloth masks, and wear it every time I step outside. Then I put it on the uh, floor of the car, and then I just put it into the washer every time I get a little batch, and then I put it back in the car. So I got a whole a whole stash of these masks. So you put it on even if you're when you leave the house, even if you don't anticipate being close to people. No, no, it, it's in the car. So, I, you know. So, maybe I should ask you two guys this. Yeah, I don't get it. I see people driving around with masks. I'm like, why? Like, you're in your car, unless you're with somebody different. But even then, it's like, I don't know. If you're, you if you're by yourself you in the car, why are you wearing a mask? So, you know how you can set the AC to either let the outside air in or not? <laughs> outside air in. Then you got to put the mask on. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just... uh. I won't call it lazy because it's actually being doing more work, but it's like because uh, I wear my mask here and there when I'm driving, um, but you don't need to. I think it's just yeah. either you don't want to touch it because if you touch it, then you get the outside from your hand on the mask, and then you got to put it back on and whatnot. If you're not going very far, you know, just do it like that. Or also maybe you're getting that the sun's hitting it. And, you know, if you get the UV, it gets rid of it in a second. You know, so uh, maybe people are doing that too, but that's the only reason I can think of. It's not, you don't need it in your car unless your wife is dirty, in which case, good, good job. <laughs> uh, Bo, what about you? You wearing masks? You got masks? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I have, let's uh, see how many masks. I think I have like 10 to 12 masks or something like that. I, the, awesome. the, first, the first set of masks I purchased, actually, um, I, I purchased off of Etsy, and they came in and they were like a size too small. And they like didn't really cover my face, and they didn't go around my ears. And then we had a friend who was had uh, a cricket and uh, some stuff, and so she had made me some masks. And uh, the ones that she made are actually pretty thick, like denim material. So I can, I'm so pretty they, pretty okay with it. Study came out that uh, compared different materials for masks, and uh, apparently, like a. Uh, Raised cotton, like something from a, a flannel type material, mm-hmm. double it is one of the best uh, 
deals you can get. And then a lot of the masks have this little pouch in the middle where you can put a different little filter or something in. Mm -hmm. And I personally, I, you know, from my research, recommend a coffee filter. I saw a study that said coffee filters are really good particulate blockers. So if you've got a mask that will allow you to put a uh, something inside of it, use a coffee filter. I, I've got a mask yeah. on order, actually, that's going to make me look like Bane. From oh, the, nice. uh, yeah, and it also does a voice, too, which is the impressive part. Oh, really? <laughs> All right, so, uh, so yeah, that's a public service announcement. So our first official uh, topic in the hot take news here. Nope, we're that, out of uh, town. We're out of time. <laughs> yeah, it's the protests against police brutality and uh, the, the fight for black lives is still ongoing. Um, but the funny thing to me, not funny, but it's like the, the horrible part is that like even though these are protests against police brutality, they're being met with all kinds of police brutality. Uh, the, you know, the videos of the pepper spray and the rubber bullets, which are actually, I saw what a rubber bullet looked like for the first time. It looks like a freaking uh, a plunger being shot at people. They said that dozens of people have lost eyes and stuff like that. So, so the, the issue I have, or I think I, I think it's interesting, and I want to see where you guys think it is that you know people are in the streets protesting against the police being crazy. Then the police are going crazy on the people complaining about the police going crazy. How many people do you think have been arrested at these uh, protests that have been going on for the last, uh, I don't know, two months? Across I'm going to say in excess of 2,000. Okay, both says 2,000. Johnny, what do you say? Oh, easy. 2,001. <laughs> <laughs> going high is definitely the right answer. There have been, so I tried to find numbers on this, right? And the, the highest number I could find was 10,000 people have been arrested at these various protests. And that was as of four weeks ago. Mm. Yeah. So it's, 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 I don't know. It's just like, it's like fighting fire with, I, I don't really have a point to it so much as to kind of make people understand the scale of the issue is that people are in the streets complaining and then there's been 10,000 arrests about that. So Yeah. And I think the, so they, like the stuff I've seen is like, they have these mass incarcerations of like 200 people get arrested or something. And then beyond that, what they're doing is scouring people's social media to see if you're protesting and then they go to your house later to arrest you that's how they get and, you yeah and so you kind of see that stuff and you kind of go what you know, jesus christ that, that's how just infuriates me. i don't know this i don't know how you can't be just infuriated by the whole type but you know i hate to say hey be the naysayer but the last couple of statements that we just made right there it's like it gets registered interpreted from the other side totally opposite like here we are saying 2,000 10,000 people oh my lord can you believe it that's the the atrocity behind it but there's other folks on the other side of the spectrum who are saying that's it what <laughs> yeah, oh well, they should be arresting way more look at all those people in the streets arrest them all you know so clearly there's a divide that I think even with our three reactions you know that's it we're a small bubble Ho ho hopefully, I say hopefully on the right side of history bubble, but still hopefully. it's a bubble. And but we need to reach out for those other folks too. So no, there's no reaching out. There's no wrong side of history. We're right. They're wrong. And so, and here's how you know that the other side that that wants more people to be arrested, I have no no moral standing to stand on. Because in like the two, the week before the protests for Black Lives started happening across the country, there were these open the economy protests back up where all these armed people went to state capitals inside of government buildings with long rifles and saw no police. Nobody was calling for mass arrests there. So if you weren't calling for mass arrests of people protesting armed in federal buildings where they had to shut down the Michigan legislature because of all the, the armed insurrectionists out there, I, the same people that weren't calling for mass arrests then weren't call, are now calling for mass arrests a week later, something different. Then the problem is that you have isn't with protest so much as either the cause of the protest or the people doing the protest. Yeah, look, 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 again, this is the uh, the echo chamber happening here where I'm not arguing right or wrong. I'm just arguing there are people like that out there. Well, my, is that is that I I, I, I I sometimes I hear you act as though or you try to express I think you empathize too much with the concept that they're possibly not being a right and wrong. No, that, no, you know, no, I no. have an opinion. Yeah, an opinion, and there's no way to know which one is 
Yeah, no, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying we can't deny the existence of people like that, and they live in our home. So, nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, l- let me rephrase there. Okay. Those are potential Patreon customers for us. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would. I would <laughs> we'll turn. We'll do a hard right to get more listening. <laughs> You know, and I just think if Obama wasn't such a terrible president, if he wasn't trying to uh, put his Muslim agenda on the United States, then we wouldn't have all these people in the streets. Holy cow, I just got an email notification. We got a new Patreon. Bro, oh, really? No, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, you know, I, I guess I kind of wonder about the, you know, I, I kind of, I think I hear what Johnny's saying, and I think I hear what Lance is saying. And it's, and it's kind of a weird thing that, you know, I think that we can, I can empathize with the protesters, you know, and I, and there's a part of me that's like, you know, kind of wishes that, you know, I was a part of it or something. Um, but, and then I try to think like, you know, how can you get the person that has no relation, you know, to the, or no ability to empathize with the protesters? How do you get them to kind of see the commonality and the struggle between both sides? Now, you, you know, know, you know what I'm saying. Like, you never get that person. So, so here's yeah. here. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't think the struggles are that different, though. That's the thing. What when you say struggle, what do you mean? I mean, like, okay, so you know, I would say the the. Okay, yeah, I guess they are. They are completely different. What you, you what, what you want is the person we're and we're getting these people actually. So, so we're getting it. Um, the, the the persuadable people in the middle that 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 actually are, are right minded. So like um, even in the the sixties, the civil rights thing, or whatever. Martin Luther King's plan was to get beat up so bad that anybody who wasn't basically like a hardcore racist would say, "Oh no, they, I see what they've been complaining about." And it's sad to say, but that's kind of what's going on now. Is that the people were in the streets protesting, and then the police acted so crazy that. Uh, you know, the, the average American who isn't a bad person is seeing, oh, no, I see the, the struggle and the, and the problem now. And that's why, like, Black Lives Matter uh, approval has gone up, like, 20 points this year. So, I mean, I think it's working. It's sad, the process that has to go through, but it's, uh, but it's working. All right, so uh, I had <laughs> had a bunch of other topics, uh, but uh, everything's crazy. And um, so we're going to try to keep the show to a reasonable time here. So let's see, let's see. Uh, justice for all the uh, justice for everybody. We'll say it here, and uh, and that's the hot take news for all of us here at News Center Four. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego. All right, friends, welcome back, and this is the Captain's Radio Room. Uh, Science Officer Lance reporting for duty. First Officer Bo on deck. (laughs) As you all know, the Captain's Rare Room is this nice, secure, private space for us to kind of talk about, uh, you know, uh, top secret uh, communiques. So, for for today's topic, is actually, I'm thinking we can do a little bit of a continuation from the hot take news, which was talking about how empathetic should we do should we be do we need to be if at all to folks who um let's just put in very real terms on the complete opposite end of the political spectrum from us interesting topic interesting topic all right and we're going to solve it in the next 10 minutes (laughs) so here's a key example of this right so uh so the coronavirus has been raging through the country for the last at least three months. And now there are thousands of people lining up to go hear a uh, president who I have strong disagreements with. They're, they're, from what I can tell, if you don't know by now that the coronavirus is a thing and is dangerous, then, you know, you, sh- you should know by now that the coronavirus is a thing that's dangerous and spreadable in indoor spaces. And these people are volunteering to go see him. And uh, they get sick. I'm just like, okay, how bad should I feel about somebody who gets the coronavirus in that situation? Or, or I see these headlines. Here's the main thing. I see these headlines where it's like, I think um, 
the, the headline was like the president of the president of some African country who denied coronavirus died from coronavirus. I'm like, okay, do I feel bad about this guy who put people at risk by denying this thing for his own purposes and then, then he dies off of it? You know, and I I feel like you should never trivialize death, but at the same time, it's hard to freely feel bad for people who are both dragging themselves into a bus off and then also putting other people at risk in the same bus off. So, uh, I don't know. I, I struggle with it. I struggle with it. But my instinct is to be, not be super. <laughs> He's struggling with the words. He's struggling with the words. <laughs> you know, I, so. I was, I was thinking about this a little bit and I wonder if it's something where, you know, as much progress as humanity's made in the past five hundred years, you know, this the the same people that are saying these things are, you know, like don't worry about the coronavirus and don't worry about this stuff. Still has the mental, you know, I guess it would be the same as someone from the medieval ages and kind of thinking this kind of stuff. And it, and I and I wonder if it shows how slow it takes for, you know, the us to physically kind of say, okay, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind. You know, it's a virus that spreads. And so you don't physically see the danger. And so you don't really internalize that it's an actual dangerous thing unless you're kind of around it or studied or, you know, like people yeah. in hospitals. But, but if I, you're not around it, you don't internalize it. You don't see it. And so you just kind of say, you know, I'll, I'll take these maybe unnecessary risks. Well, I, I kind of want to get away from not just the specifics of either COVID or any other uh, hot topic issue, but more about can you be, can you look at somebody and say you are completely wrong? Let's go even further. You can be almost evil, this person, but I still feel empathy for you. Is, oh, yeah, that, a, sure. is that a possibility? Sure. Yeah. Mm, it depends, but most likely, yeah. Yeah, possibility. It's definitely a possibility. Now, it's it's varying levels of difficult, you know, for that thing, whatever. So I, I'm against the death penalty. And then people are like, well, if somebody killed somebody, you know. And I'm like, well, I don't think it's a thing to do. So so I feel empathy. Even I don't want to see even the worst person suffer suffer like that, you know. I think they should be treated humanely. I, I but nope, even torturers for terrorists. I'm like, People should be treated. There are parameters for how we should be treating every human being because every life is worthy or whatever. All right. So, so so let's take it to the extreme again a little bit. A person down the street is yelling, white supremacy, white supremacy. Do we have empathy for that person? I don't want anything bad to happen to them. Now, um, if they had a flat tire... And I, would I ride right by them? Yes, I would. <laughs> if they were, um, but I don't think I would let them die. I would let them be inconvenienced for sure. I mean, if they were, I don't know, if I saw some type of boulder coming towards them, I'd say, hey, look out, a boulder. Do you make the real-time calculation, well, that's a boulder and that's a rock. The rock is only going to maim the person. I won't say anything. I wouldn't want them to have any real harm come to them, even if they were a bad person. Yeah, not for real, for real. Both. Uh, I mean, I guess I would, I would kind of look at if a person was, you know, down the street saying that kind of stuff. I don't know if I would necessarily kind of think of them as, you know, I, I, I guess I kind of struggle with it because, you know, in a sense that, you know, moral relativity, right? That's that's immediately a wrong thing to do. But I kind of wonder if, like, the way they've kind of been, you know, their path in life has kind of kind of made them that way, you know? And so, like, if, if I was living in their shoes, would I make the same decisions as them? I don't know. So, I don't know if you can have empathy for them. Well, empathy, like, empathy is, I think, is, is a low bar for me. So, I don't think, I don't wish... Harm. I don't wish harm on people, but if something happens to them, if the world sees, I mean, if the universe punishes them for their evil ways, you know, that's just the Lord's, that's the Lord's will. 
Like there, I don't know if you call it the low bar or a, or a super high bar actually, where it's empathy is easy to give for folks that you, you know, that you love or you feel friendship for. But empathy is like almost extremely difficult or impossible to give for folks that who have maybe hurt you or who disagree with you on the, in this case, the total complete opposite end of the spectrum. You know, like how, you don't share the like, same set of values. Like let, 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 let's use Trump. Like Trump is standing right there in front of us. Would you have empathy for this person? And that's what, what I'm mean, saying. It's difficult. What do you mean empathy? Empathy, like empathy by saying. You're not an evil person. It's just that by the conditions in which you were raised, the conditions in which you've been educated, that your life circumstances have led you to think a certain way and have this life philosophy, which is wrong. But empathy, meaning I, I can understand that and I'm going to try to appeal to you. I'm going to try to get through to you. And okay, yeah. no, I, by that definition, no, I don't have that. Especially for like a, a 70-year-old man, you've had... You, you've you've gone from uh, dial-up phones to cell phones, and, and like from compute from no computer, you've made every other change in society, and have been able to manage to to to, to find a way to adapt and change to everything else except uh, the racial views of the 1940s. So so no, I, and I and you know you're wrong. See, and, you know you're wrong. And, and again, I I think that's why that's an extreme case. Whereas we see this moment in time about this racial inequality awakening that's happening across the nation, across the world, where, you know, the folks who have seen the George Floyd video and seen the horrors of nine minutes of what they could, could do, that's what snapped people out of it, right? It's not like they were evil at all. They were just blind to it, kind of. They see the video. They can't ignore it anymore. Same for the Rodney King back in the day. It's just so visceral. You can't ignore it anymore. And now they want to have conversations. And now they want to learn more about it. And we open our arms to those folks, right? And we say, yes, of course, let's talk. Let's try to understand. Let's build this bridge and so that we can all live in a better society. And how far yeah. does that go, though, you know? So I would, I would, I think I would completely agree with the statements. But what, if, what do you say to the people that see the video and see all this evidence and then they just kind of say, you know, too bad, so sad? But Johnny's not talking about that person. Johnny's talking about somebody who's newly awakened. And I'm like, if, if you're, if you come to me, you know, like, oh, I didn't know, or I, like somebody who's newly awakened, I am a lot more receptive to than somebody who is still um, actively fighting against uh, what I consider yeah. to be. And, and my point thing, my point then would be, it's like a ladder where we've crossed the first rung and some folks have been awakened by the nine minute video. There's more people that the video unfortunately didn't reach yet. Or haven't appealed, or haven't opened their eyes to yet, but maybe with a conversation with us, a conversation with somebody they trust, a you know, like it could be just that extra nudge that person takes, and then they cross the second rung, and that's where the empathy kicks in. I think where how many rungs will you are we willing to climb this ladder to reach that person, you know? If somebody who has the patience and, and to do that, more power to them. So a lot of people say that, oh, we need to be having a national conversation about race or a national conversation about topic X, Y, and Z. And I have this conversation with people all the time. I love talking politics and I love talking current events with people. And I have convinced somewhere on the, on the order of zero people in my, <laughs> in my 10 years of doing this, this talk with people of different stripes. And, and, and to their uh, credit, zero people have convinced me that I should be a conservative either. So it's like, and then I've seen the studies on it that say that it take, if you were to convince somebody, uh, like uh, they did studies to show if you had a gay person talk to somebody who's anti-gay for like a, a month on end, then you might be able to, to change their mind on or get them to be more accepting. But I'm like, nope, who's got the time for that? So I, for me personally, I'm taking a lot more of my resources and energy and putting them towards people who are convincible. Uh, I think there are some people that need to talk to people who are already on the team. Some people that should talk to people that are convincible and others who can talk to people who are harder to convince. I don't worry about the harder to convince people anymore. I've tried that and it's a, it's a waste of energy. And that's where I am with it. Bo, close it out for the segment. Close it out? Close it out for oh, us, man. man. Solve yeah, it. I mean, I Solve guess I, I, I sit there and I think 
about the type of person that is kind of unconvincible. And I think from the practical nature of it, you just kind of have to socially overwhelm them, essentially. So society has to kind of change around them, but they just kind of have to kind of go by the wayside. You know, I can have empathy for a person that, you know, may have through the course of their life kind of been into these intractable beliefs and that, you know, by the nature of them, they know that they have their defenses up all the time around it. And so they kind of, they have in their set use. And I wonder if you just kind of got to be like, you know, eventually their views will not be represented anymore or will be in such a minority that it's not going to be effectual society. And you just kind of, I guess, kind of play the long game that way. That's, that's the only thing I was thinking about. But the thing that got to me with this whole entire thing, I'll be honest, I didn't realize, was like, you know, that the amount of people that I thought would be in that intractable position, what I, I thought it would be a lot, a lot smaller. I didn't think it was going to be like, you know, like, I think, you know, you kind of throw out the number, like, you know, at least 15% of the people are just so bad all the time or just have these views that you just kind of are confused about and stuff like that. And so I look at it and I go, you know, I mean, like, I've, I've experienced a lot of stuff in life. You know, I've talked to a bunch of people. I've never, never come across people that I've been like, you know, like, how can you think this way? And then, you know, then they kind of see this, you know, all this stuff kind of come out and you go, Jesus. <laughs> so I don't, I, don't know. I wish it was different. It means you're a good person. If it's hard for you to understand somebody evil, that means that you're not. So, uh, so good for you. It means you're living yeah. life right. I wouldn't. I, would, I don't want to call them evil, but I, I would definitely say that like the the inability for them to kind of see outside of their own position is a lot higher than the amount of people that I thought. Also, I have the, you said 15%. I have the number at uh, the floor at 15%. It's between 15 and 25. But I think 15% is a, is a good, that's a good, I think if you conceptualize 15% of the people, I think you, you properly understand the world. So good for yeah, you. that's a lot of, that's a lot. Of okay. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> Well, to me, that just means we have to dial up our empathy 15 more percent, guys. <laughs> okay. And we should all love our fellow man. And a woman. And everything else out there. <laughs> All right, folks. We'll, uh, we'll wrap up the Captain's Radio Room here. It's time to get to 10 forward and get some food and beverages. And uh, when we come back, it'll be the uh, pop culture segment. Yeah! Transfer of data is complete. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, welcome, welcome the Junta Show's pop culture segment. Here we have our three fine uh, people of the world who've consumed a bunch of media and are here to report on what's new, what's hot, and what you can reasonably uh, listen to to while away your hours while quarantine. Johnny, what say you in the world of Netflix? Oh, man, <laughs> I've got a lot of stuff here, man. Lance, yeah. you got stuff too? I've got some stuff. I wouldn't say a lot, though. I um, I spent a lot of time on video games for the last little bit of time. All right. Well, uh, I'll kick off with a few movies here. Um, like most people across the nation, probably, in light of the racial injustices going on, is it's made me want to uh, learn more. And one way to learn is through movies and whatnot. So I've been watching, I've watched I Am Not Your Negro, which is a very interesting and well put together kind of documentary but also in the voice of the person that it highlights and talks about James Baldwin of course of the civil rights movement back in the day James Baldwin before you saw that movie I was not that familiar at all I was very impressed very inspirational and insightful uh, person so definitely want to learn more about that guy so I did see I am not your negro I uh, would recommend that of course I did see also Monsters and Men, uh, starring John David Washington. Um, oh. Yeah, he does a fantastic job. I'm a really big fan of that actor now. So, so, so you think he's going to be the real deal? 
Azrael, yeah, I think so. I think he's got a strong chance. I'm not sure if he's going to make it to like Denzel status, um, but I think he'll be a he was prominent. Like, uh, what was that? He was on his wedding. He had a, a Christopher Nolan movie just on the cusp of coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right but, he's good. So, and, and if, uh, anyways, I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. But yeah, Monsters and Man, fantastic movie. It's a uh, weaves uh, different storylines together with uh, they're all interconnected in one way or another. So, uh, and John David Washington himself plays a, a black cop and the struggles that he goes through as a black cop. Um, and the last other movie I saw related you know, with the movements these days is The Five Bloods. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that too. I don't get that. I know we've talked about it a little bit offline. It's got this high Rotten Tomato score. I've listened to one of my favorite po- other podcasts, Pop Culture Happy Hour. And they gave rave reviews about it too, and I just don't get that movie, my friends. And I just thought it was long, drug out, slow. I've heard words like um, epic and um, just beautiful scenery and cinematography is fantastic and stuff like that. I'm like, I just don't get it. So, um, so if, if that's the criteria we're judging on, I think maybe the, the scenery was well shot and the cinematography was good. But, like, it was long, and the story wasn't the most compelling story in the world. But, um, so I'd be curious. Like, I would like to hear somebody rave about that movie. Oh, just just, just listen to that episode, because they were raving about it. and saying how this is the spikiest of spikely movies. And because he interweaves so many different topics, generational topics, from father to son, uh, military to obviously uh, black culture, to our role, the American role in wars. Um, so many different issues going on all in one movie. And I get it, but at the same time, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I can understand both sides of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, Delroy Lindo. Uh, yes. So the movie itself is uh, is okay, but that Delroy Lindo, buddy, yes. he's, uh, he's quite the actor. Yep, he's getting the Oscar <laughs> buzz. And uh, the last movie I want to sh- throw out there is uh, 7500, starring uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He plays a uh, co-pilot. It's a movie that's now streaming on Amazon Prime. It's, uh, I'd say, like a B-rated Air Force One type movie. So pretty flat characters, but yet it's fun. It's suspenseful. So I'd recommend okay, it. But- where does the racism come in on the plane, or is that a different? Category? Oh no, this is just a non-racism. Well, it's it's racism in a bad way. It's, st- it's stereotyping a lot of the Middle Eastern type folks. Ah so, uh, yes. Yeah. I wonder, so is it? Are we back to Russia now in our uh, our movie generic movie villains? It was, uh, it was Russians. Well, I guess it'll, it'll be Chinese people probably. It'll be Asian people. No, right. so look e- out for that, Johnny. Equal opportunity. Equal opportunity, my friends. Yeah, Hollywood just b- bounces around. All right, uh, Bo, who should go next? Me or you? Um, I can go next. Ooh, great. Uh, so, uh, good recommendations, Johnny. I started actually looking at uh, I'm, I'm Not Your Negro with James Bond. And then I started watching, you know, much like Johnny going on and, and kind of going down the rabbit hole and stuff. And I started listening to old interviews of uh, Toni Morrison, who's a Pulitzer Prize-winning author. Um, who wrote uh, The Bluest Eyes and I haven't read any of your books but I think I might pick up a couple of them uh, and I think they're pretty short novels anyway but like so I started watching some of James Baldwin's speeches like when he went to like Oxford and so that and I started uh, trying to follow his, his logic and, and you know he has he has uh, you know the way he speaks is has a certain cadence and the words he uses I'll be honest, it was really hard for me to follow what James Baldwin was talking about on a lot of the stuff. I mean, you know, I mean, I get the, I think the, the main gist of what he was talking about, but uh, I really much prefer listening to Tony Morrison. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> if you have a question or something, you know, holler at me. I'll, I'll do my best to try to. Yeah, no, I just, I was just listening to the speech and it was, it was, uh, I don't remember exactly who the choice of words that he used, but it was like, I was trying to be like, trying to figure it out. Uh, beyond that, then I kind of started going down the rabbit hole. I started 
you know, watching all these different YouTube videos on like the history of slavery and all this, you know, slave revolts of like uh, the 18th century and stuff like that. And then listening to like things like Gabriel's Revolution and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, this is, so I went down that rabbit hole for a little while. And then I guess back out in the more lighter fare, right? I recently watched Snowpiercer, great movie. It's a classic. Um, it was, uh, have I seen it before? No, no, that was the first time I saw it, so it was, I've always heard it was a good movie, but never made the time for it, then I watched it, thoroughly enjoyed it, um, and, and I started watching some film analysis on it, and it was how that Snowpiercer was actually a continuation of Willy Wonka, <laughs> so I thought that was kind of, it was kind of an interesting take on it, um, it's about it's kind of the, uh, Parasite, right, or no? Uh, yeah, 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 but it's kind of, it's kind of like a very similar kind of, in this, like, I hope, Spoiler alert, I guess, if you haven't seen Snowpiercer. Um, I don't know. Should I spoil it? You or... should not. We've okay, given... so I would saying... say oh. Willy Wonka and Snowpiercer have um, very similar, not similar story arcs, but similar kind of goals to the story. So I thought that was, was kind of interesting. Um, I did like it. Uh, I, I've been watching the second season of this oh. one. Yeah, cartoon but, that came but unfortunately, okay. the uh, Snowpiercer TV show, I'm afraid it's not that good. Not that good? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I've tried it too. Yeah. Uh, the, there's a cartoon I watched on Netflix called Kipo in the Age of the Wonder Beasts. Oh, you saw um, that? Right. Yeah, I saw the first, I saw the second season came out, so I watched that. I watched the first season of it. Um, I like the show. I think it's, it's, it's very entertaining and well done. I think, uh, um, yeah, I, I like it. It's it's a good show. It's good fun, fun to watch. Uh, very interesting. I really like that, uh, like the world that, that Kipo lives in uh, is very extremely imaginative. It's so I like that about it. Um, and then I guess lastly, I started getting into these British panel shows, and there's one show called Taskmaster, and uh, that's the hardest I've laughed at a show in a very very long time. It's probably not for everybody, but if you kind of like British panel shows, this is one of the funnier ones. If you come across a particularly uh, funny episode, send it my way and, and I'll give it a try. But I've yeah. never watched one of the shows, and I don't even think I understand exactly what it is. But it's fine. Uh, yeah, so so Taskmaster, just to kind of recap, is essentially there's a comedian, and he gives other five comedians to do you know basically silly tasks. And then he judges them in front of a live studio audience. And it's it's kind of like a uh, uh, like a slight, slightly competition. Um, and it's okay. relatively funny. I think I've seen some of the, the American versions of these. Like uh, At Midnight, I think it kind of sounds like it. Maybe uh, in Chris Hart, Hartwig. Yeah. Right, so well, I haven't had seen the At Midnight, but... Comedians you know, doing yep. stuff. Yep, yep. By, by definition, it's probably going to be funny. Yeah. All right. So uh, for me, I uh, I don't know how this movie got on my on my queue, but I got the Netflix DVD because I still get Netflix <laughs> DVD of this uh, classic movie, a Criterion classic called Babette's Feast. It's a uh, foreign movie. It's like about these uh, these two old Dutch ladies who take in a French maid, who then prepares a delicious meal for them that they're too religious to enjoy, and it's as interesting as. It sounds. I don't know <laughs> what made me think I was going to enjoy that movie. It was a uh, some old, boring, foreign with no English captions movie <laughs> that like was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture in I don't know eighty five or something like that. But uh, it was a weird, stupid movie. <laughs> um, and aside from that, um, I'm watching Batwoman, the Batwoman TV show. Uh, me and my girl are watching that. It's a uh, very campy, along the lines of Flash and Black Lightning. Um, but uh, it's enjoyable. You know, the characters are, you know, TV show dumb, but it's it's a good watch. Uh, I played The Last of Us 1 video game. I've been playing that all month, and I beat it recently, and it was a phenomenal game. That is a um, phenomenal game. It is uh, terrifying. I They did an amazing job of creating the ambiance and just, like, the world and making you feel like you're in that world of that character, of, the, of that game. And I, every time I died in that game, I felt a little piece of me in actuality get ate up by the mushroom monsters. 
uh, I had to play it on easy because I was dying too much on on the normal that it was terrifying and I couldn't play it at night. <laughs> and so The Last of Us 2 is out now. Um, like seven years later, it took a long time for the second one to come out and it's getting these rave reviews about being the best game of the year contender and all this like that. So uh, I might pick it up later. Um, I also saw the movie. Oh, okay. So you guys remember the movie The Hunt? They came out. It was supposed to be about uh, these uh, the, the liberals hunting the conservatives. So speaking of empathy from our <laughs> earlier segment. Yeah. But the movie was too controversial and it like got pulled from theaters because it, you know, it was a uh, you know too much of a you know violence for our time about the polit- killing people for our political differences or whatever. And it, it was that. It was a bunch of uppity liberals killing conservatives. But the movie itself was so stupid that you shouldn't, you wouldn't take it seriously or anything like that. But it was stupid good. I really enjoyed that movie. Mm. Uh, it had a, it was along the same line. There's been a bunch of bad uh, thriller movies, and then there's a bunch of good ones. Like Happy Death Day was actually pretty good. Um, I watched that movie, uh, Ready or Not, about like the bride who has to play hide or seek, hide and seek for the death. That movie was actually pretty good. And this hunt movie, it had uh, likable characters, and then like it was, it was goofy, but it knew it was goofy, and so like it was, it was well done. Do Do you think and, you would have still enjoyed it if the uh, liberal conservatives was swapped? The way they the way they played it, yeah, because it was like um, okay. the liberals, they, they nobody was likable. Well, no, actually, the conservatives were dumb, but in a likable way, and then like the lead conservative lady was actually like a really good hunter and really capable. And like, what's the best parts of a conservative person? And then all the liberals were basically so un- so so uh, East Coast hippie liberal that you wouldn't root for them to win either way. So, it, but they, but they were funny, so it, it was fine. All right, I I watched the opposite. And um and so and then I read a couple books, but I only talk about one. Probably one of my favorite books of the year, and I think I might have a new favorite author who I I didn't write down, so I don't remember it. But this is a book called Rodham. And it's basically the story of Hillary Clinton if she didn't marry Bill Clinton and then what happens to her life. Mm-hmm. So the book itself, it starts with her as like a child and focuses a lot of time on her and Bill and their relationship in college. And then somewhere along the line, she separates from him. And then it is basically like a Hillary Clinton biography, but like without that main thing of, of him. And the book itself is just really well written and it, it, it goes into... Little little details about a person's life that I just find it, it find very um, insightful on the author's part. The same author wrote a book called American Wife that I really enjoyed. That I heard somebody say was about Barbara Bush, but I think it was like a Barbara Bush esque character as opposed to the actual Barbara Bush. So I recommend the book Rodham. All right, you got anything else? Uh, I do want to I do want to comment on the, the 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 plot of Rodham that you just described. That's a, that's a really weird thing. Like, yeah. take a real person who's alive and then write about them. And then, because that person could actually read the book and then be like, you know, someone wrote a book, an alternate history about me not being with my with Bill Clinton, you know, kind of. So it's interesting. As I'm, it's, I'm like, where what's real and what's not, right? Because clearly at the point where they break up or whatever, you know that the story takes a turn, but when they tell the story of how they met, I'm like, is that real? How close to the actual story of that? Like, did he do X, Y, and Z thing? Did she do X, Y, and Z thing in the book? And so, like, I wonder if she's okay with it. This It's a, a well-written, but it shows her being a real human, so, like, who's to say that you want to know about your college sex life, you know, in a, in a book like that? And it's in there. And then maybe it's accurate, maybe. I'm sure they changed the names of, like, the guy she dated. So, so, don't give away. Don't give anything away. No spoilers. But did she get locked up? <laughs> I can neither confirm, confirm nor deny that uh, she got locked up, or that Donald Trump is a character in the book. <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's really, it's really, really good. I right. recommend it for you know, especially if you care. I mean, you don't have to like Hillary about it for real, for real. But um, it helps if you like her, and it just is a well-told story about a popular character and a story that you know, and what could happen if it went the other way. So. You know, it's good. All right, so uh, I think that's uh, what more stuff. You want to talk about the the box office? 
What are they, you can t- I'll edit this out. What are they, what are they, what, what? <laughs> I thought Bo was going to close this out. Bo's like, me? Me? And then, oh. <laughs> oh. I thought I thought you had sport stuff to comment. Oh, okay. sorry. No, no, no. I'm good. Uh, you what? We're over time, so I was going to wrap it up. Yeah, you can you can wrap it up because I'll know exactly what to say about the Patreon stuff. Oh, okay. And uh, I think that's uh, that's all I've got for pop culture. So, uh, you guys got anything else? Nope, all good here. I can't wait to consume the next month worth of Netflix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same here. Nothing, nothing new. Yeah. Nothing new. Uh, there's a couple of new things coming out, but we'll talk about them on the next episode. So, thanks for listening. And uh, if you would please uh, leave us a five star review in the Apple Podcast app. Um, tell a friend about the show if you enjoyed it. Where else are, are you going to get? This mixture of hard-hitting news, uplifting life advice, and pop culture to wash uh, away all the grief of the world, you know, so you can just get oh, you know, a nice melange of everything in life. We've got to work on this, that selling line of ours, man. Really? I like it. I like it. You get something for everything. You get your brain all mad and hyped up, and then you get uh, a nice uh, amuse-bouche of pop culture. Yeah, it's like a smorgasbord. <laughs> I think for this uh, episode they got one piece of news. Uh, I'm not sure how uplifting it was, but they did get our dose of Netflix. Yeah, well, that's the thing, though, right? So yeah. you get uh, your left brain and your right brain yeah. on the show. That's the, the benefit. But yeah, so tell somebody about it. Please spread the word and um, leave us a five-star review. And uh, you can also reach yeah. us. And visit us at patreon.com slash show where we appreciate all of our Patreon subscribers. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. But until then, signing off, I'm Lance. I'm Johnny. Stay safe.